Welcome to Unpack Podcast with your host, leadership consultant, Ron Harvey of Global Core Strategies and Consulting. Ron's delighted to have you join us as he unpacks and shares his leadership experience designed to help you in your leadership journey. Ron believes that leadership is the fundamental driver towards making a difference. So now, to find out more of what it means to unpack leadership, here's your host, Ron Harvey. Good afternoon. This is Ron Harvey, the Vice President and Chief Operating Officer of Global Core Strategies and Consulting. And I'm super excited today to continue to add value to the people that are listening and viewing our podcast. And every week I make a promise that I'm going to bring you someone to the table that's going to add value and make a difference. So we do what we call Unpack Leadership with Ron Harvey, where we talk about real world issues, challenges, and concerns that we may have from working throughout different places around the globe. And so I'm excited today to be able to bring Nathan who's going to share who he is, what he does, and then we're going to dive into the questions of unpacking whatever shows up. So this is in real time. We talk about real issues. So Nathan, I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Thank you for saying yes, but share with our guests who you are and what you'd like for them to know about you. Awesome. So my name is Nathan Young. I'm based in both Vancouver and Toronto. I run, a, I would say, a mid-sized marketing firm. We really focus on being the number one or number two best marketing hire you're ever going to have, guaranteed, just because of the way we're structured. But more personally, myself, I've been in marketing for almost, I think, well over 19 years, if you include some of my adolescent years of doing stuff. But I was doing marketing at a very young age. And I, we, work, we work across so many industries. And I think that's really the huge value add. So I have perspectives anywhere from infrastructure companies to B2B businesses to local dentistry groups. So I think typically when people work with me or work with our team, like it's just that expansive view of so many different industries, we can really help provide some ground for some great marketing activities. Wow. Thanks. Thanks, David. And now more than ever, because we're doing AI, we're, visual is important and we're using all kinds of technology. And so people are, as leaders in organizations, marketing is huge. So what are some of the lessons like right out the gate? I love to give teasers. I love to, get, to give you an opportunity to share a little bit, but not all the secret sauce. You know, what, why is marketing so important regardless of what industry you're in? I think there's a famous saying from a copywriter and he's, he's marketing is basically salesmanship print. That was a very old saying. And so what I really think about marketing is marketing is a guided journey, um, albeit sometimes forced, yes. forced commercials, yes. forced radio ads, forced pop-ups, albeit it is a forced thing, but it is really almost a guided sales process. And, and it is a way for you to essentially get through at scale. What I think is really always super important about is you have to remind yourself that marketing isn't sales. But if you were to put this on a quantitative chart, sales is a huge influencer, meaning that touch point just has so much influence in it. So if the journey was from zero to hundred, you could say sales could be almost like 90 points, or you could say it's the last 25 points to push them over into the purchase. So I think marketing is important because if you want someone to know who you are, if you want them to be able to learn about you without you being around, if you want to be top of mind, if you want to educate, if you want to create value, Marketing can do that, but only when it's done well. Wow. Wow. So I love that you said marketing is not sales. And oftentimes we really do want to almost put them in the same bucket at the same time. So can you unpack for a second? I'm a new entrepreneur, a business owner, someone like, like, how do you make a determination? How much budget do you put into marketing when you're starting off and you're trying to figure this thing out? Because a lot of people are like, I can't afford it, or I don't need to do that now. And I just need to sell this thing. How do you... How do you come to an idea of determining a budget to use an organization like yours to help us get, to get the best out of marketing? 
So I actually just did a rough math thing just recently. So in, in e-commerce, there's a ratio you can use and it's called CAC. And basically it's a ratio. So it has to be three times CAC to be worth your, this kind of the term, right? So what that means is basically you need to acquire a customer, a true customer at about three times their lifetime value. So I'll put this in really simple terms. Yeah. Let's just say you're selling a business that's 12000 a year. So it's $1,000 a month engagement. And the average customer is staying with you for 24 months. Yes. Okay? And so what that means basically is your lifetime value for that customer is $24,000 because it's going to be 24 months. In order for this to be worth it, what I've done actually just to make it a bit more granular for people is, well, I go SaaS-based business, a software as a service-based business tries to basically do almost an 80% margin the average service-based business is going to be 30% or less. So if the CAC is three, but then the margins are quite different, double, then perhaps it's fair that maybe the CAC that we're looking at in a multiple perspective is actually going to be more expensive, almost double or triple. So if you're looking at it on that perspective, you need to be acquiring customers at a kind of a percentage of that lifetime value of $24,000. So you can look at it on a growth perspective. Okay. And when you're doing this math, what's really important to note is this is means you're spending money. So you're not spending money on a percentage basis. You're spending money on a growth perspective. So I know that I need to acquire, I need to acquire clients at less than $12,000 per client because I know that makes me 50% margin and that makes sense. Yeah. So $12,000 would be your number. And I'm just really just doing yes. some really easy math here. And that's a very different perspective because then when you look at it on a budgetary perspective, it's very different because then you're like, okay, this end of the year, I want to do $100,000. And when I go on Google, it says the average percentage of revenue for marketing is 1% to 2%. So that's not a lot of money for you to spend on marketing. So it's really up to on how you want to build your business and how aggressive you want to be. And so I recommend that if you're thinking about growth, you need to be looking at on a cost per acquisition perspective. If you really want to be conservative, you can try the revenue percentage model, but you're going to find that's a difficult model to stick with. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the first time I've heard looking at it from a growth perspective, because oftentimes it's really based on budgetary. When you're looking at what's your budget and the percentage of your budget versus, hey, if you want to grow, what are you going to invest in your growth? And what does that look like? So totally different perspective which I always say, I always invite people to help us broaden our view. How do we widen the lens on what we're seeing and what we were taught? It may have been a great model before, but moving forward, what should that look like? And what are the questions I should be asking myself? What are some of the challenges when you think about leaders that are running organizations of effectively using marketing to really do what they want to get done? Which, like you say, is be known. Let people know that you're the... What's some of the issues you think you see most often that people or mistakes people make with marketing? It's really easy, actually. I was on a call with a bunch of consultants and the consultants were like, what's the best marketing strategy or sales strategies you guys have? And everyone went and said, I'm doing this and it's great. And I'm doing this and it's great. Doing this and it's great. And I interjected quite rudely, actually. I said, look, I think you guys are all professionals and I appreciate you guys all do well. But the one thing that I want to highlight for someone who's doing this the first time, every tactic works. Yes. Because that's why every tactic that you read works, but that's not the point. The point is do it well. Yes. And you have to be fundamentally honest with yourself and say, hey, look, these are all the tactics in the world. And I have a finite amount of time. 
what is the best tactic for me? I hate cold call. Then don't do cold call. I hate email. Don't do emails. I love in-person. Okay, you know what you're going to do? You're going to go onto Eventbrite. You're going to go to Facebook. You're going to go whatever. And you're just going to start time slotting events because you're a great networker. So you know what the number one thing is going to be for you? Conferences, trade shows, network. If that's where your element is, that's where you should be focusing your time on. And it always comes down to the constraint of resources. People don't have infinite amount of time. People don't have infinite amount of capital. So be practical. And so in Find Your Audience, we always say sustainability, practicality. Those are the two pillars of marketing. Can you do it for a long extended period of time? And can you do it well? And if you can't do either, don't think about it. Wow, phenomenal. So be practical about what you're doing. I love that you said that. I, I totally endorse that. Like strategies work. Like whatever you're going to do, they work somewhere at some point. But you got to make sure it's true to who you are. And it's not heavy work or hard work. Because if it's hard, you're not going to do it very long. If you got to work really hard to get it, you're like, no, nah, I tried that for three days. I hate it. I'm not doing it. So I love that you're saying, hey, figure out what you, what's your natural skill set that you gravitate towards and become really good at that thing. Because strategies work. It's just what works for you. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Like, I think listeners, if you're thinking that I'm saying don't learn new skill sets, that's not what I'm saying. Yes. What I am saying, though, is you have limited time. And so if you have limited time, you got to maximize that time. So maximize that skill or technical skill set or comfortability that you have until you saturate that. If you're not attending every networking event in your local neighborhood, then you can still do more, right? And then when you do that and you've made so much money because you're just killer at being in person, then go figure out your email, then go figure out your sales, but then do it one by one. Because again, you have limited resources. You have limited time. You're not going to hire the best in class email person overnight. You're going to have to be able to afford that, right? So you're not going to be able to do your Facebook ads, your Instagram ads, your Google ads, your Google display ad, your YouTube, your video, your TikTok. You're not going to do it. Stop lying to yourself. So maximize the channel, then move on. So you, you will need to learn something sooner or later, but it's likely not your biggest priority. Wow. I couldn't even keep up as fast as you were talking about all the different platforms. I'm like, yeah, you can't even keep up with how many he's like given us. So you definitely can't do them all if you can't even keep up as you were sharing. But you also said something that's important when you think about do the work. If you haven't maximized like all of your conferences where you live at, then get that right first. And I think oftentimes we begin to want to boil the ocean and we want to be great outside of where we currently are. We're not doing a phenomenal job where we are. And so when you start thinking about that, how do you make sure that you begin to manage what you can manage? One of the things we did in our area, Nathan, is when we first started, we were all over the country. And finally, I just had this aha moment. Yeah, but they don't even know me where I live at. I was doing a horrible job of going to conferences here, supporting businesses here, being seen in my neighborhood. But people that, that were thousands of miles away because of virtual knew me, but community didn't know me. What would you tell people that fell into the bracket that I did fall into in my first two years of business? I, there's a catch-22. Um, okay. The catch-22 is if you live in a city of a 1,000 people and you want to grow your business to a million dollars, you're not going to be able to do your sales. Yeah, so there is a sales exercise in the sense of do you understand the total addressable market that is reachable for you? So if you're living in a city that's a 1,000 people, your backyard is not going to be worth the TAM. It's not yeah. going to be worth the squeeze. So first, I want to say that this is not always applicable. Now, if yeah. you're living in a major or what we call sometimes a tier one city, you're likely going to have a big enough TAM that's addressable. 
And I think that's the way you start looking at it. There are ways for you to do what we call just like data enrichment work, which so for those that are listening, total addressable market is called TAM. And then I have a definition of the reachable market, which implies it's like, what data points can you actually find at scale to actually confirm your TAM exists? Um, so you, you have this ability for you to prioritize yourself in the sense of, okay, I know Chicago is better. I know Denver's better. I know so-and-so is better because they have so many conferences, which implies this scale and mass. And so therefore it's worth my time. And then you can create priorities. And then once you create those priorities, as long as your backyard isn't like 30th on the list, yes. you're probably worth actually just reinvesting that because you'll get operational efficiencies out of it. Because if you think about every time you do a conference out of town, people always forget, like salespeople are terrible at calculating I can guarantee any executive you're listening to me right now, go to your sales team and say, how much was the true cost of going to the conference? They'll go, it's $5,000 sponsorship. I was like, that's not what I was asking. How much time did you spend traveling? How much money did we spend on the hotel? How much money did we spend on the marketing swag? How much time did you potentially waste? And the sponsorship, that's the cost. And people forget about that. When you're in your backyard, a lot of those disappear. So go down that list again, Nathan, because I love to unpack. So when someone will say true cost, which is super important because we do sometimes lose sight, blind spots, if you will, of the true cost. We just think of what the sponsorship was. So if you're a business owner or you're attending conferences or you're leading an organization, can you go down that list again of what do we need to pay attention to for true cost? The true cost should obviously be the sponsorship yep. and it should be your time. If you're going to a conference, they're generally rule of thumb is you need two people, right? One person working the floor, one person at the booth, right? So you generally have two people working. You are probably, or you as the business owner, you're probably the more expensive person. So I don't, I, if you haven't done this practice, you need to give yourself an hourly rate and be appropriate, right? Your time is expensive as a business owner. There's a, there's a book that says every time you want to think about whether or not you should outsource, just think about it as your time is worth it thousand dollars an hour that's what you need to think about so if you're there for six hours that's six thousand dollars now that might be aggressive you can adjust that if you like but i'm giving you an extreme example it's easy and then you have potentially a part-timer that's with you call it 20 25 30 dollars an hour so that's also another cost then you have the material cost right so if you're out of town they're printing that brand new or that you have the logistical challenge to bring so you have shipping costs and printing costs. Then on top of this, you have flight costs. And then on top of that, you have hotel costs. And then if your employee has come with me, you likely have food costs. So that's the true cost of that event. You can also then, if you really want to be hard on yourself, add a productivity factor. What that means is you are probably 30 maybe upwards to 50% more productive when you are in an office setting of which all of your things are available. Your computer, your laptop, your screens, access to your coworkers, all that kind of stuff. So you can add in a factor as well to increase the value of your time because you're actually being less productive. And that is going to be your true cost. And when you do all of that and you go, oh God, I'm spending like two or three times more than what I actually think I am. Then you'll start to really see the value of you actually just doing stuff in your backyard because a lot of those things are gone, right? Flight's gone, hotel's gone, food may not be gone, but could be considerably cheaper because you could still have food from your, for your fridge. You could prepack, 
So realistically, a lot of these costs disappear and flight and hotel are expensive, right? Yeah. Not being near the office is expensive, especially when there's needs. So I want everyone to just go through that exercise and you'd be surprised. Conferences are far more expensive than you think they are. And especially when there's sponsorships involved. Yes. Yeah. And I told you, we love to unpack. And so walking through as a business owner, if you're looking at what you're going to do, being able to get your true cost and because it's easy to just look at the sponsorship. And then all the other costs are hidden until you begin to do your end of month statements. So you're looking at your cash flow or you're looking at your profit and loss statement and you start doing all those back end things. And you need to notice in the front end of what are you really investing? What does it cost you from door to get there and get back home and all the things in between? So from your door to that door and back, all the costs associated with that you want to take so you can make a good business decision. So phenomenal. So when you look at it, Nathan, and you think about the best advantages. So someone said, how do like I run a conference and I want to make sure that I'm marketing it right. What are the things I need to pay attention to to make sure that I'm reaching people in time? How soon should I start with this? How much should I? Some people, I don't want to bug everybody every week, but there has to be some logic to you in the space. You're a prof professional in marketing. I'm running a conference. Let's say it's going to happen in October. How soon should I start and how often should I do? I think it's called drip campaigns and start letting people know that I want to come to it. How do I do that without feeling like I'm getting on people's nerves? It's, it depends on the conference and it depends on the attendees. If you're asking what are the best practices, so at FYA, my, our organization, we typically have a pre, during, and post campaign development. And that's very specific in supporting sales. So like our whole thing is, is I want salespeople just to do sales jobs I, and I want to set them up for success to amplify sales. That's our whole perspective. So... Generally speaking, you want to touch base upwards to six weeks. And I found this actually across industries, by the way. Wow. So this is not just like conferences. Okay. This is really like across industry, like restaurant promotions, six weeks. So if any restaurant listeners, you want to do promotion two weeks in, in advance, you're going to lose. People mm. need to think and plan. So you six, six weeks. weeks is a sweet spot. Anything yeah. less than that, you're going to see ineffectiveness in your app. So I would recommend doing something about six weeks in advance. And then, and you don't need to do that very frequently. You want to do a first touch about six weeks out. And then you want to do probably another touch two weeks out. And then you probably want to do another one two weeks out again. So basically two weeks cadence. And then up against the event, you want to do one the week before. And then about 48 hours before. And then the day of. That's generally the cadence. Now, some people might go, oh my God, that's, that's really frequent. That's annoy people. First of all, it doesn't matter if you annoy people. Why? Because if they're not your customer, it doesn't matter yet. Yes. And I've had a saying for my entire, and also like I'm a business owner. I get tons of sales emails all the time. And please don't send me sales emails. I have a saying. I generally send emails until they tell me to F off. Yes. And the reason is because do you know how often I go back to someone who has persistently just followed up with me for a year? Almost all the time. You know why? Because if I haven't told you to F off, it means I actually need the service. But I'm just like, I'm too preoccupied on so many other priorities. But the truth is that we all have the capacity to press unsubscribe or to tell someone to F off. We all have the capacity. And we're actually all not that lazy. So the truth is that you probably keep something in your email because you have a deep-seated need for it, but it's just not now. So it's yes. really important to get over this annoying thing. Be respectful. Don't be rude. 
but following up isn't a bad thing. So this follow-up cadence, I don't think is regressive at all. Yeah. During the conference, I recommend interactivity over sweat. Okay. There's lots of, hey, we got to get pens, pencils, like a Yeti mug or whatever, and all these kinds of, oh, you're going to get a freeloaders. Okay. You have to focus on quality. Leads are great. Quality's better. Why? True cost of the lead. People forget about this. How much time do my salespeople waste bad leads? Yes. No one adds that into the calculation. Okay. So quality leads. So how do you get quality leads? Interactivity. You have something in your booth that describes your service and engages a user. That is going to be the best sales tactic versus them picking up 18 golf balls while you were at lunch. Yes. Like it's not worth it, right? So I think it's interactivity is massive and obviously capturing great leads and then having a very immediate and good follow-up structure is super important. So again, immediately follow up the day after the conference finish, follow up within four days, especially if they've expressed interest. And then whatever your cadence is for sales afterwards, you can put them into the cadence after and just continue following up. And if they don't tell you to F off, they probably needed you. They were probably like top of mind when you're having a conver- like a conversation, but they can't implement your service right now. Whether that's because they have budgetary concerns, whether or not they're like HR movements, whether or not the CEO has some different decision-making things going on. There's a reason why they can't make the decision. They haven't told you to leave yet. So just continue following up. Wow. Nathan, you dropped a couple of things and I really appreciate that for the audience and the people that are listening is you told us how to put a cadence if you're going to do an event. So you gave them the six-week time frame and then you gave a cadence. But then on the back end, you came back and said, hey, make sure you have something that's interactive while you're at the conference. So you gave us pre, pre doing, and then you gave us the back end of it is follow up the next day. And oftentimes we'll work really hard, spend all that money, invest it in a booth and sponsorship, and we don't follow up. Literally, you got stuff that's sitting in your lap. And you said, hey, here's a creative way to make sure that you're not giving them bad leads. And if they're good leads, then follow up immediately. And then you follow back up and you gave us a time frame or cadence, if you will, to make sure you do the follow up after you've done all that work. Phenomenal information. What would you want to share as we begin to come to a close for the podcast on this one? What do you want people to walk away with so they can remember you and your organization? What's your key takeaways you want us to to walk away with today? I think the key takeaway is if you ever want to go into marketing or if you really want to see how marketing is going to work in your organization, you can go read all these things on Google. You can read best practices. You can do all those things. I'm going to dumb it because I feel like Marketers are the people who wrote those articles and marketers are really good at selling shiny objects. So we're going to sell you a shiny object and I'll be honest with you, it may or may not actually sell. So what I want you to focus on is you need to think about marketing as a function amplifies sales. Stop thinking about like marketing being like this entirely separate cost center or operational unit that just does inbound. That is BS. One of our approaches is we come into organizations and our KPI is doubling or tripling the productivity of your sales team. What does that mean? Revenue. Yes. Is that inbound? No. But do we do it? Absolutely. You know why? Because when your salespeople are messing around your PowerPoints, messing around on the website, messing around in technology that they hate to use, like the CRM system, messing around with the conference, trying to procure things for the conference, I am maximizing as a marketing function, your salespeople, and I'm getting them laser focused on what they do best, which is 
building relationships and technical sales. Wow. So stop forcing marketing into this idea that it has to be this inbound funnel. It has to be this lead uh, authority leadership and content, all this stuff. It can just be as simple as double or triple the productivity of my sales. Why? Because marketing is a function, amplifies revenue or sales, or whatever term you want. And that will put a different lens on how you might want to use organizing, like you might want to use marketing within your organization. Wow. Thank you, Leighton. Thank you. Phenomenal. So if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to, to get in contact with you or your yeah, Absolutely. You can find me on Instagram at fya.marketingbytes. That's where I'm posting my reels. You can also just go ahead and find me on LinkedIn. Look at my name, Nathan Young with the last name, Y-E-U-N-G. Or you can just go to the website and book a discovery call with me at www.findyouraudience.online. Yes. So Nathan, thank you for sharing the contact information. So he gave you a couple of ways to follow, to see what he has out there. He has reels out there that you can see what he's doing and what he's talking about. So excited to have you as a guest on this podcast. We're always looking for people that add great value to the people that are listening to what we're doing. I think small businesses are going to be the difference in what happens across. There are a lot of people going into small business and having someone on a team like you is going to be super important because you don't want to be the expert in marketing. You want to be able to have someone on the team that knows it and you do good at what you do. So don't try to do it yourself. Reach out to Nathan, talk to his team, do a discovery call and find out the best way to leverage the services that he brings. Thank you for sharing everything. Any last minute thing, anything you want to say before we wrap up here with the audience? No, just if there's a ton of small business owners here, a little tidbit, Google review, Google reviews the day you open your business. Wow. So that's my last tidbit. Google, if you want to be the best marketer in your business and your local business, start Google My Business Reviews, get your reviews the day you open. It's incredibly important. Thank you. Thank you, Nathan. Appreciate it. And for all you that's listening, again, this is Ron Harvey, the Vice President, Chief Operating Officer of Global Core Strategies, where we help leaders connect better with their people so they can run their organizations. Again, thank you. And we look forward to you joining us again the next time on Unpack with Ron Harvey. Well, we hope you enjoyed this edition of Unpack Podcast with leadership consultant Ron Harvey. Remember to join us every Monday as Ron unpacks sound advice, providing real answers for real leadership challenges. Until next time, remember to add value and make a difference where you are or the people you serve. Because people always matter.